0: Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm going to come. I live out of the Book of Common Prayer, and some of you have, what is that? Uh, I I live out of, of a book of prayer that was written in the 15th century. It was written 500 and some years ago, and it goes through a daily prayer. So it's a daily prayer guide, and I read those Bible verses every day, and I have for a number of years. And the reason I do that, it keeps me from playing biblical roulette. It keeps me from going. And it's interesting to me as I've given obedience to that in my life, how every day God speaks to me out of a systematic way. And I literally look, it has a three year lectionary, ABC year, and I literally watch that lectionary because it lives in the story of God. And if you preach that lectionary every three years, you've preached the whole Bible in about a three year period. And I tell people all the time if you're going to visit here, come six weeks because you're not going to understand us unless you come six times. And if you make a decision to come here, give me a year because I'm going to mess up about half the time. And uh, become a year. If you're gonna become a person of prayer, you gotta give three years of your life. You will never understand what it means to be an intercessor unless you devote three years of your life to follow a Bible reading that is not yours. Because if you try to follow your Bible reading, you'll always end back over into your favorite stuff. But if you make a, a, a decision to follow a three year process, listen, he lived three and a half years. There's a reason for this. I could go through the power of three the 30, the 60, and the 100, the fig, the sycamore, the oak—I I could go through that and there's a whole, so three years. So I've lived by that for a number of years and I'm prophetic, so I'll bounce in and out of the lectionary and I'll come back, and, but, but I listened to it. And this week, quite frankly, I looked into the lectionary and went, oh my God, oh my God. And something gripped me and said, "Quentin, you have to preach that and you have to preach it. And it's right out of the lectionary series uh, uh, of that process. That's been the basis of my disciplines for a number of years. If you ever want to learn about it, I'd be glad to share it. But go to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to read three verses right, right out of that. Uh, and It's some of my favorite verses anyway. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, prepare. Get ready, Bubba. Open your eyes. Prepare because the Lord, amen. Say with me, the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert, a highway for our God. In other words, lay down some asphalt over that gravel road. Make that a four-lane highway so people can get in. Listen, the, the, the kingdom of God has made people drive over dirt roads when they could have made some paved streets. Every valley shall be exalted. Pull up those ruts. Every mountain and hill will be brought low. Quit putting mountains in front of people. Every crooked place, quit making people go round about. Every rough place, for the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed. Say with me, the glory, the glory, the presence, the weight. In one translation, says the salvation of God and all the flesh. Say with me, all the flesh. Everybody's going to see it. It's not going to be kept quiet. It's not going to be some Gnostic thing. I, I get tired of people telling me they got a special revelation. You did not. Because there's nothing new under the sun. You didn't dig out something new. There's nothing new under the sun. All the flesh will see it. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And then the gospel reading this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand up because that's what my grandma did. So would you stand up this morning for the reading of the gospel. It's found in Mark chapter 1. Reading verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God. As it was written in the prophets, and they quote Isaiah, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Say with me, you prepare my way before you. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And John came baptizing, say baptizing. Baptizing in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Wow! I wish we had more Johns preaching. And then all the land of Judea and those of Jerusalem went out to him and all were baptized by him in the Jordan. How many were baptized? I didn't hear you. How many were baptized? For the forgiveness or the remission of sins. Confessing their sins. Could I suggest maybe we ought to do a little more confessing if you follow me in the mornings every morning. Confess. Oh well. Uh, I get tired of faith people. I'm not a sinner. I'll ask your wife, dummy. I'll come along behind you. You did stupid stuff yesterday. That's called sin. Until you call sin, sin ain't nobody gonna... Now, John was clothed in a $3,000 Canali suit with a tie and. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate at the finest of restaurants. Can I tell you there is a distinguishing mark between those that stand up and declare, prepare the way of the Lord and those that in the 21st century have captured the attention of people who don't want to really hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to hear that they can get rich. They want to hear that life can be cushy. They don't want to hear that when God calls you, you might spend your life in the wilderness and in the desert wearing camel's hair and eating locusts. Jesus will call him the greatest prophet of all time. I indeed will baptize you with water, but he, say he, say he, say Jesus. See, we baptize in water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Somebody say, bring it on, Pastor. I wasn't here last week. Did you notice? I just want to know if any of you noticed. I wasn't here. I got it stored up somewhere. Father God, I pray this morning that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I pray this morning that we would rip the garment of our heart and we would repent of our sins. And Father God, in the preparation of your spirit, we would acknowledge that we need you. Amen. Touch your neighbor and say, I didn't come to play this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. On the way down, say, I didn't come to play. I didn't come this morning to tickle your ears. Can I say that? If you're tuning in, I didn't come to make you feel good this morning. I came to preach the gospel. The gospel that will save lives. The gospel that will keep you out of hell. The gospel that will make sure you're in heaven. The gospel that will heal your twisted mind. Four times I've heard these words, we're expecting. I tell you what, the first time I swallowed really hard. And my answer was so intelligent. She said, we are expecting. And I said, what? (laughs) 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 Ah, What? And my next line was even smarter. How'd that happen? (laughs) See, if you don't understand how something happens you can't appreciate it. Are, are we expecting? Four times I heard that. And, and can I tell you, each time we painted bedrooms, we hung wallpaper. That first little room had striped wallpaper in it, and it had this, this thing that hung over the Jenny Lynn baby bed. We just knew our children would use that Jenny Lynn baby bed. I remember when when Avery was born and I offered it to Kelly and she told me it was unsafe. (laughs) I I thought, well, he's alive. You don't remember this. You remember how they recalled baby beds? I still have that sucker hanging in my garage thinking someday Avery will use this unsafe baby bed. But we bought baby beds and carousels and we, listen, we packed bags. It was called a go bag. Anybody ever packed one of them? It had, it had really important stuff in it. Peanuts. (laughs) Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, no, it had stuff she needed too. But, and we were going so far. We lived one block from the hospital. One block. uh, Literally in Eureka, Kansas, one block. We walked. She said, I think I'm having the baby. I said, let's go. We walked. We walked in the front door and they said, what are you here for? She said, to have a baby. She <laughs> looked at me like I was nuts. I didn't pick her up. We walked home. But that we prepared. Every time I heard those words, we got ready to receive. Amen. See, the question this morning is, are you prepared? Are you ready to receive in your heart and in your home and in your family? Or do you already know everything? There's a lot of people think they already know everything. 735 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah said, a virgin will conceive and give birth, and you'll call his name Emmanuel. In the ninth chapter, it says a child will be born. A son will be given it. And the government, anybody read this word? The government will be on who you vote on? you got to be kidding me. The Bible says... That the government is on the shoulders of the son of the living God. I'm sorry, but America loses its mind every four years. Because they think they're electing Jesus. Man, this Bible says the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of not chaos, not division, not separation, but the prince of, say, peace. Say with me, peace. I need that kind of peace that stills the storm, that kind of peace that brings everything back into normal. But if you don't receive him, you can't have that. If you're caught up in the debates of this world, you will never experience that. I didn't come to tickle you. I came to be a prophet. For years on that wall it hung, prepare the way. I'm here today because the calling on my life was to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Oh, you didn't get it. See, they didn't get it. They had 735 years to prepare, but the idea that a child could be a king was out of their imagination, it was beyond what they pictured. Have you ever done something, and then it just wasn't what you pictured it was going to be? You, you had a different idea in your head, and then when you really made the third payment on the thing, you went, well, this isn't what I had in mind. Maybe you got married, and now you're going, huh. Ah. <laughs> you ever moved to another house, and you went, oh, the other one was fine, <laughs> Right? I mean, it was beyond their imagination. Sometimes it's easy to imagine something because you've seen it, but it's hard to imagine something that you've never seen before. You do have to understand that the fact that the Christ was born of a virgin became as a baby, even though it had been prophesied. That's why so many times when we prophesy, people go, "Uh uh-huh, but it's beyond their imagination because God doesn't Make a copy of what it is you've already seen. He manifests stuff you have never seen. And it was beyond their imagination, so they couldn't picture it. And so they did not prepare a nursery. They they did not make a room ready. Listen, they knew he was going to be a baby. Isaiah said it. They knew he was going to be in Bethlehem. The word says it. They knew it, but they ignored it. They had their own ideas, and their own ideas and their own imaginations outweighed the prophetic word of God. Notice how quiet you get. And Isaiah, in the 40th chapter, tells them, listen, we're going to have to tear down the constructs that you have built. We're going to have to pull up the valleys that you've created. Religion always puts up barriers for people to come. When I was a kid growing up, if you had hair over your ears, you had to go get it shaved. I really want to go back to Ponca City, Oklahoma, and go, well, it's gone. I really do. I mean, heaven forbid you had a tattoo. I mean, my grandmother didn't really think a woman could get into heaven wearing in their pantsuits. I'll never forget, we drove home from 10th Street, just across town, and she had a ball that morning, but about halfway home she said, Dwayne, you really think them women can get into heaven wearing them pant pantsuits? Man, if she'd see some of the stuff we don't wear now, she'd really be... <laughs> it'll, it'll, you'll get there. <laughs> and Mark's gospel echoes Isaiah. John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance. Man, that's just not popular in the 21st century is it he came preaching in other words the way you prepare the way of the Lord is to say you need to acknowledge you need to in other words the only way to make room for God is to repent from your sins the only way to make room the way to prepare for the coming and the manifestation of Jesus Christ is to acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a savior And to acknowledge that if you say you have none, you're already in trouble. Jesus looks at his cousin and said, not a greater prophet has there ever been. This man not dressed in a $3,000 canali suit. This man that didn't fly in on the latest airplane. This man who ate locusts. This man who wasn't speaking a popular message at the moment. What do you see? When you see him, I see the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. See, I think today, if we want to make room for God, we got to go back to the declaration of repent. Notice again, it's not popular in the 21st century because we think we did it once, got wet, and we're okay. No, the, ba- the Bible says, I am baptized daily. The Bible says, I walk in repentance, that I live in the knowledge that I need God's grace every moment in my life. I get up daily and I confess that I have sinned before the Lord in thought word and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. Sometimes my greatest sins are what I didn't do. How many of you ever been told to call somebody and you didn't do it? Sometimes my greatest things are the stuff I... You see when John started preaching this message, herein lies the problem. The Pharisees didn't even think they needed saved. The Pharisees thought they had it all together. The Pharisees were the good people and those people weren't the good people. They, they, they killed sinners. If you sinned, they stoned you. It was their job to make sure that sinners didn't get close. It was their job to make sure that no one got in the temple that was unclean. Religion's not much different today. I mean, I can name the places in this city that if you get divorced, they excommunicate you. You know, I call that heresy. Oh. See, it wasn't a popular message because the religious people at the time... Had built mountains, dug ditches, and you had to cross over the mountains and you had to get through the valleys. You had to go through the curves that they said were, they were the good. They weren't looking for a savior. They were looking for someone to make Israel great. Mm, wear it, wear it. Jesus isn't coming to lift up what we're doing. He's coming to save us from our sins. We need a savior. We don't need God to lift up what we think we're doing. Advent is the remembrance that this is not what they had pictured. This is not what they had in mind, and so they missed it. Advent reminds us that our hope is in God, that our peace is the results of his presence. Advent makes us stop in the middle of all the time and go, wait a minute, this is his time. That I've been living my time, but when Jesus comes into time, he changes time. And that I must recognize that this is the time. And when I remember it, and I realize that he kept his word down to the jot and the tittle. And that he really wasn't preaching to accommodate the opinions of the moment. That he was preaching that we would make room for the Christ And that we make room for the Christ when we acknowledge that our efforts fall short of his plan. We need to be reminded. Come back next week, I'll preach on joy, you'll be happier. But (laughs) I said it in the beginning, give me six weeks because I miss it about half the time. So if this one just has nothing to do with you, check out. It's okay. Play with your phone. But if I got your attention, how do we make room for God in our life? How do we prepare the way? We have to look at this story about how Mary became pregnant, right? How did Mary make room? I mean, she's minding her own business. She's 14. She's getting married. She's minding her own room. And all of a sudden, God appears that you have found favor. You're going to get pregnant. It's going to be of me. That doesn't sound like a great deal. She said, he said, you're going to, how's that going to happen? I'm not going to know man. The Holy Spirit, say with me, the Holy Spirit. Or say it like Grandma Jessie, you say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost Ghost is going to come on you. Ghost. Uh, Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And and you're not going to need a man. I'm going to do this myself. And she said, let it be. Let it be. You see, number one, how does this happen? You cannot receive anything in your life unless you can conceive it. You can't. Give birth to something that you're not really to conceive. And I believe in a virgin birth. I believe that the Holy Spirit put the seed of God in her womb. And if I believe that God who is unseen can put the seed of himself in the womb of a virgin and give birth, that's crazy. They think my charismaticness makes me crazy. No, the fact that I believe in a virgin birth pushes me over the ledge. It's unimaginable, but unless you can receive it, unless you can receive the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll never experience the presence of the Christ. You have to receive this work of the mystery of the Spirit of God that takes himself and forms and develops his own life in your life. You can't achieve that by keeping a set of rules. That's received Paul writes in Romans 5, this isn't achieved, but it's received by grace. Let it be. Let the the plan that God has for my life. Let let the process that God has for my life. That's amazing. But let's please don't forget Joe. I think Joe gets left out. I think you've got to understand that if you go to Matthew's gospel, the first chapter, the 18th verse, it says, now, this is how the birth, I think she tells her story, but then Joseph tells his side of the story. Have you ever, maybe you've never done this where she tells her side of it and then he tells his side of it. She says, oh, Joe, it was amazing. I was in prayer. I had this experience from God. How many man is going? oh, good God. Come on, come on, Any you real men in this place that, that's acknowledge that you come home and your wife is talking about what she had in prayer and you're going, oh, good God. Oh, right? I mean, this is human nature, right? She has this, whoo, and he's going. And because Joseph, her husband, was a good man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind, haven't you, have you ever had anything in mind? I've had some things in my mind. He had in mind to put her away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're crazy lady. You did what? <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. You got you to realize he's going, this is not what I had in mind. What do you mean you're pregnant? Of course, she didn't have that in mind either. She had a wedding dress in her mind. She missed all that. This was not what he had in mind. So he didn't have a snap reaction. I love men. Men back up and think about it for a month. <laughs> what did we do? I mean, she comes in and says, well, God told me to do this. And you go, yeah, give me a minute. She come back eight times before you go, okay. <laughs> he's thought this through. Heather's laughing at it. You know this is true. You've had, and he's going, I ain't done thinking about it. <laughs> well, you've had a day. Yeah, give me another day. He, he thought this through. He had in mind. Hey, I mean, I mean, when you really confronted something that you couldn't didn't have in mind, I mean I had in mind of a of a marriage feast, maybe a little wine, I had I had something. This is not what I had in mind. So I gotta get how many of you know 2020 is not what you had in mind? Woo! I mean it really isn't. It's not what I pictured. I mean I had a different picture in my mind. I, I didn't This job, it wasn't his career, This, it wasn't, but after he thought about it, he had a plan. He had it in mind. And then an angel appeared unto him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what she has conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. I, I got news for some of you, you need to wait till he hears from God. Because I'm telling you, he will also confirm. Yeah, the waiting thing's hard. You've had this, he needs a little more time. But notice that God said the same thing. Well, that ain't what I heard. Then shut up. Because God doesn't speak different things to different people. I have people all the time coming up to me and say, God said. And I said, I don't think so. Because there's a preponderance of evidence that that's not what God said. Yeah, but He told me it's called a taco. <laughs> I love you. I had somebody that day say something. God showed me this. I said, How many hours of TV did you watch before He told you that? <laughs> because do you know that if you've watched too much news on the TV and you lay down and go sleep, that dream's not from an angel. It's from being pre-programmed by the news you watched all day. What's in her? I wish God wouldn't wait until I'd already made up my mind. I mean, why didn't he show up in the middle of of Joseph pondering? I mean, right? I mean, he could have showed up while I was thinking about it. He didn't wait. He waited until I'd made up my mind and then showed up and told me I was wrong. He listened to my wife. I mean, it's true, right? I, man, come on, how many times have you made up your mind and then you had a dream? It's like, what God, do you have to wait? You know why He waits till we make up our mind? Because He wants us to change it. You know what it means to change your mind? It means to repent. Joseph is the first one that repented. Joseph had to go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Am I I here? Some of you have so made up your mind, you wouldn't. Sometimes you have to change what's in your mind. I've often wondered, who do you think had the hardest job, Mary or Joe? I know, every woman's going to throw something at me. You've never given a child birth. I get it. But the Bible says she gave birth to him, but that Joe named him. you got to realize, if this kid's not yours... And you have to give the child a name. You see, we get our identity from our dads. And Joseph looked at that baby and said, this is the Savior of the world. This is the Son of the living God. He is the product of the Holy Spirit. I wonder what would happen in the lives of our children if dads got up every morning and looked at us and said, you are a product of God. The man stepped aside and did not take the pride in having sown his seed. He took pride in the seed of God. Oh, that'll preach from now till noon. I actually think that Mary had the easier job. Because now look, Mary knew. Mary, did you know? The baby. She knew she hadn't been with a man. She knew. She hadn't given herself. She knew she hadn't been raped. Joseph didn't know. Joseph had to receive it by faith. Which had the harder job. I think from the day till he died, Joseph had to tell himself every day, that's God's child. Think about it. You and I have not had certain experiences, but we have to take by faith. That's faith. Not some of this other stuff I hear today. That's faith. To be looking at the fruit of something. And every day you get ridiculed. (laughs) You dummy. You know, that's not God's kid. you know, God didn't tell you to move there. (laughs) You know, God didn't call you to, but every day you get up, Sean, and you go, no, this is what God called me to you to get up every day and say, I'm, uh, this is what God spoke to me. Doesn't feel good. Who had the hardest job? See, they conceived something. And then they had to make preparations and they had to start expecting this child that would come. The Bible is full of verses that says, according to your earnest expectation and hope, this will turn out for you. What are you expecting? See, if you're expecting, I could I get real personal now about what you're expecting. Oh, you can just listen to people's language and you can hear what they're expecting. I'm expecting the next four months to be miraculous. I'm not unaware of the trauma that is happening. Listen, I am very aware of the difficulties that are within Reno County. But I am expecting the miraculous of God. I am not ignorant. That's a giant. This is a giant. You don't face a giant and not know what you're facing. It's not denial, but faith. Say it with me, I'm expecting the word I've got for next year. You want to come back next week? Is exceeding great power. I'm expecting God's power to be revealed in the place. The Bible says, expect his blessing. The Bible says, to expect him to be loving and kind. The Bible says, expect him to help. The Bible says, I will not give you evil, but a future and a hope. The living translation says, to give you your expected end. What do you expect your end to be? David said, I would have lost heart unless I had expected to see the goodness of God manifest in my life on earth. As it is in heaven. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it every time my stomach stretches. I love Psalm 42. Oh, my soul, do not be discouraged. The the King James says, why so discouraged? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. But the living translation says, oh, my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. I'm expecting God to act in the middle of times that don't look very good. I'm expecting it. I'm not unaware, I'm very aware, but I'm not discouraged, I'm not upset. I'm anticipating the pleasure of God to be made manifest in my life. You can conceive, but then you have to act expectant of this child. And thirdly, you have to bring it to manifestation. Do you know, she didn't do anything to conceive. God did it. Her and him together begin to expect, but you have to help the manifestation of what you conceived. Come on, woman. When you got pregnant, guess what you did the next day? Ate, and ate, and ate, and then you ate some more. I can remember coming home from work, and Annie would have a bowl of potatoes. You know those big. Tupperware bowls of potatoes, that this big? I mean, I think it was a whole five pounds of potatoes. And there they said, I don't even like potatoes. If you don't bake them, I don't want them. And here's this bowl of mashed potatoes. I'd eat one scoop, and then I'd watch her. And, And then in those days, we'd go to bed and watch Johnny Carson. And she'd go get the remainder of the bowl cold, put salt on them, and I'd watch her. Can I tell you that if you are pregnant with something, you got to feed it with the Word of God. That if you don't keep feeding the Word of God into your life, that dream that you are conceiving will never manifest in your life because you never feed it on the promises of God. you got to keep feeding that promise, but you want that thing that's been conceived by the Holy Spirit to come to Fruition, you got to nurture it by feeding it. How do I feed it? We live not by bread alone, but by every. Look at your neighbor and say, eat the word, honey. Chew on that thing, it'll nurture and it'll grow. Number two, you got to get your mind around this. I mean, every day she got bigger, I had to get my mind around this. I was 22, 23. I was going to be a daddy. I had to get my mind around this. Have you ever noticed how the birth of a child changes a man more than it does a woman? He is racing cars until that baby comes. I'm telling you something. There's something about becoming a parent that changes your priorities. Or if you're saved, it does. I, you know, If you're not saved, we could start at the beginning. I mean, if you're going to give manifestation to that which is conceived, you're going to have to feed it. And then you're going to have to renew your mind on it. Thirdly, it's called endurance. Just ask any woman about the sixth month. They're going, I'd come home from work and should be in a bad mood. It ended six months later. It' say, "It's time for you to carry this thing." would take a while. Is endurance. Come on, women, I need your help. You have to endure the process of what goes on in your body. You have to endure the process for the joy that's in front of you. You have to carry this thing that's growing. Some of you abort the dreams because you refuse to endure the pain that it takes to give birth to the dream. Dreams don't just happen because you conceived. Dreams take place and are manifested because you can endure the hardship that'll bring the thing to pass in your life. And you've aborted them because this hurt too much to carry. You have to endure it. The only, you can conceive, you can expect, but you got to nurture it. You got to change your mind and you got to endure that donkey ride. That was a long donkey ride. From Nazareth to Bethlehem. I bet there wasn't a saddle one on that donkey. It's uncomfortable. Number four, you better find joy in this experience. Because it takes strength to give birth. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your... You better find some joy in this process. Can I tell you something, America? There is something about to be birthed in us. It has nothing to do with your politics. But there's something about to be birthed in us. If we could just find a little joy in the journey, we might be able to push this thing out. But you better happy up. You better happy it up. You better find some joy in the middle of the endurance. This isn't just about, oh, I'm going to to endure it. No, you've got to endure it with some joy. If you ever see an unhappy pregnant woman, you're in trouble. And five, go ahead and get ready. Go ahead and get, get ready for that final. That's how you bring this thing to pass. And the child is born. You know, it really wasn't that silent. I've thought about this. We always sing, silent night, holy night, all is... It was not. (laughs) Every time we sing that, every year we sing that, and everybody's going, oh, what a beautiful candle. And we're all doing I'm thinking, it was not. The skies were filled with angels, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and good. That is not silent. You ever heard a bunch of angels? That's the problem. That's the problem. And listen, those shepherds ran into Bethlehem, knocking on every door. Where's he at? Where's he at? They woke up the whole town. It was not silent. And I mean, just a few days later, they took the baby into Jerusalem, and, and, and the, the the guy in there, Simeon, he holds this baby up. With, this is the Lord's Christ. Listen, if you were in the temple, you knew it. Then the old crazy woman that had been there all her life, she's going, yes, that's the Christ. The only way you didn't know that was the Christ is if you were ignoring it. The only way you didn't know is if you were too busy, too caught up in whatever It wasn't silent night. It was an explosion in the skies. And 30 years later, cousin John shows up. Prepare, make room, come out of yourself, make room. Get something out so something can go in. You got to declutter in order to get, declutter your lives, empty the closets, clear your head. Delete some things. I'm trying to find anything I can do here. Clear Clear the mechanism. Do something, but get rid of that opinion, that attitude, that thought, that habit. Get rid of it. Repent. God wants into your hearts. He wants into your homes. He wants into your heads. He wants into every area of your lives. But in order for that to happen, you got to clean out some of the stuff that's been taking up the time and your thought process and all those things. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. We need to do some cleaning in our own lives in order to receive the Christ that has been born. That got one amen and it was weak. Why do we come to Christmas? Because we have to pay attention. That we have to prepare and make room. We cannot remain silent. I refuse to preach what some of you want me to preach. Because my message comes from God. Not from you. It comes from repent, make room. The Holy Spirit wants into your life to do things that you've never thought or imagined to be possible. It has nothing to do with the systems of this world. It has everything to do with the kingdom of heaven breaking through your life. It's so much bigger, greater, earth shattering, mind boggling, glory to God on the highest, on earth. Peace, no more division, unity. Get along, love one another, forgive one another, turn the other cheek, go the second mile. That's the message. It will never adhere itself to your opinion. It will never change to fit your culture or your idea or your habit, it'll never do it. It has been that and it will always be that, Ken. And I feel like a voice in the wilderness standing up going, wait a minute. God wants in. He he wants to break in on what you've Googled. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. He wants to break in. He he, he wants to take that place. (laughs) Peace. 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 Peace be still, my soul. This prince of peace, of which there will be no end. 2,000 years ago, Kent, he said it would never end. Then, if we're not experiencing it, it's because we don't want to walk in it. We would rather walk in opposition to one another. We would rather find fault in one another. We would rather be divided than united. It's us. It can't be God's fault. It's us. Maybe I ought to love somebody that's a different color than me. I've heard it all year. Oh, I'm not racist. Yeah, but you're not doing anything about it either. I didn't say you were racist. I just said maybe you ought to reach out to the other side. I just want you to know that there are people of color that have stopped coming because they're scared. Those are my people. I pastor them but they're uncomfortable and it's our job to reach to them well I'm not racist I didn't say you were but if you care if you have compassion you listen and you try to understand because they didn't burn a cross in your front yard they didn't drag your brother down a ditch prepare the way make room I want in It's your job to love. It's your job to repair. It's your job to bring peace. Oh, notice how unquiet it gets in this church. You can't just sit there and not realize that we have people that are hurting. I know it's not a great message, but peace, peace, great will be the peace of your children. Not if you don't have it. undisturbed places of rest. Let the peace of God rule and reign. Listen, I'd rather tell you I was wrong and have peace with you. I'd rather keep my relationship with you. I I don't, that's why I keep telling you I don't care. You you can vote for him, you can vote for them. I don't care. I just want to be your friend because I really have no faith in the governments of this world. I love you, but I don't care because I care more about you. My peace I'll leave with you. And he stepped into the upper room and the first word out of his mouth, Anita, is peace. The first word the angels speak is peace. The first word he speaks on the day of his resurrection is peace. Prepare the way by making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are them. Peace. And the next thing he says, Anita, is receive the Holy Spirit. She conceived of the child, Kent, because the Holy Spirit. And we conceive of the Christ because of the Holy Spirit. I am pregnant with the presence of God, begging you as a pastor in Hutchinson, Kansas, peace. Receive the work of the Holy Spirit, and he'll birth inside of you something you've never imagined. He'll do the incredible in us, if we will not get drawn aside by the arguments of the world. But if we'll receive the presence of Jesus, see, we've reduced the Holy Spirit to raboko shonda shanda. He come in on a Honda and they go out on a Yamaha. We reduced it, and the work of the Holy Spirit cannot be reduced. The Holy Spirit wants in. He wants all your heart, all your mind. He'll make you change your mind. He wants to overshadow you. He wants to impregnate you because he wants to manifest the Christ in you this Christmas. It's incredible. Spirit-filled people, hear me. We have to recover the message of repent of your sins and make room for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Repent of those things we've had in mind so that he can do what he has in store. I'm begging you, from the bottom of my heart, let this Christmas be a reset for us. We've been through hell this year. I'm telling you, we've been through hell. And I'm not sure it's over, but we can declare it's over for the Christ has come. Holy Spirit come into my heart, change my mind, change my heart, rework, realter everything in my life. It's what the Pharisees did. I'm going to open up that baptism. I've kept it closed, but I'm going to open it up. And some of you have been baptized before, I know. But you'd let the crap of the world in. And do something to get it out. Do anything to get it out. But get it out. So that he can come in. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's called silent night, because no one likes the message. More little words I'm gonna to give to you, and I'm gonna be still. God always works through insignificant people. You may be sitting here, you may be at home, and you're thinking, Me? God always uses insignificant people. Secondly, God always manifests Himself in the impossible. When you begin to think something's impossible, that's where God is. He always does the improbable—virgin, pregnant—and mm. he's always intimate, always. This message has a personal application for everyone in this room and everyone watching me there. Has a personal application. There's nobody in this room, nobody watching there, that this message is not for. I had to hear it in my own heart. I had to struggle with it in here. It is personal. It is specific. It's for you. You don't want to walk away from this word and think, well, that didn't have anything. Yes it, yes, it does. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show, and it'll just drop right into your feed, and you can stay with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers. And that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.